0: Welcome in to 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. My name is Drew Kreisman. I'll be your host as always, and I will be excited as always to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here. And we've got some news. Fantastic. Again, I get to talk more about some potential lineups and rosters and numbers and all that stuff as I've said previously we will do a little bit more of a wrap-up on the CBA once I've got an opportunity especially to get together with Dan Zemborski. hopefully sometime this week if he's feeling better we hope you're feeling better Dan but ultimately here I've got to get into this Chris Bryant thing I just have to there's so many juicy elements to this rumor so many different takes on it I see a lot of people out there of course, because anything having to do with the Rockies is something to get mad over. But there, are, there are a lot of different elements to this rumor that appears to be pretty damn persistent now, pretty legitimate. That the Rockies are number one priority pursuing Chris Bryant, and I think this is actually now. I want to, I want to say a few things about this before diving into the specific numbers. I've said before, if it was up to me, you know, I'd probably be aiming just a little bit lower than that, and trying to get two players. And I understand. The general premise of looking in at the team and saying, how how do you get rid of Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story, and you let John Gray walk, and then you sign this guy? Like, uh, if you weren't trying to rebuild or, or build for the future, go the other direction. Like, why are you bringing in one star player, right, when you couldn't keep two of them or when you didn't have any interest in that? Now, I get why that looks really strange to people that aren't well-versed in what's going on with the Colorado Rockies and people who don't want to be well-versed in what's going on with the Colorado Rockies. But there are a few things to this. First of all, and I know people have a really hard time believing this, but the Nolan Arenado situation was simply unique and different. I'm sorry, folks. I know a lot of people like to use it as... Proof of general Rockies incompetence or general Rockies philosophies and how they operate. It really doesn't have anything to do with any of that. It's very sad. It's very frustrating. It's very personal. It happened between a couple of people uh, down at 20th and Blake. None of whom are around anymore, including Nolan Arenado and Jeff Breidich. They, They have nothing to do with what the Rockies are doing right now, right? So I get it. Uh, but, of course, a lot of the, the misnomer, again, that the Rockies lost money, that they paid the Cardinals $50 million to take Nolan Otto off of their hands, right? So, let's at least, at the very least, be 100% accurate about the kind of roster math and money math that's going on here. Because if people want a legitimate answer to this question and not just to dunk on the Rockies for being stupid, well, here it is, because it actually makes a certain amount of sense. Now, I am not saying, one huge caveat here, I would have, if I was in charge, handled the Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story situations very, very differently, right? But it is inaccurate to say that the Rockies just traded Nolan for a salary dump And it's also not fair to not include that money in understanding what they're doing right now. So, Nolan Arenado out the door, very sad, very bad. Also, he takes with him about $148 million in salary that the Rockies would have had to have paid him over the next five years. So, the question has always been for me. What do they do with that? Now, let's not forget, too, that they got five players. Let's forget about three of them who were never really that huge in names and are stuck in the minors, and we'll, we'll figure it out one way. Let's let's just put those aside. Let's talk about two of them. Austin Gomber and Elu Harris-Montero, two players that have the opportunity to be impact players for the Rockies this year and who, of course, are making basically the league minimum, right? They're making rookie salaries. They haven't proved themselves yet. Eli Harris-Montero hasn't even debuted yet. Right, so you've got Gomber and Montero, and the 148 million. Now the question is, can you with that make yourself better? Because please understand that Bill Schmidt, Now he has some culpability with the Trevor Story thing. And I'll talk about that in, in deeper detail, but let's stay on Nolan Arenado so we don't confuse things for a minute. He didn't trade Nolan. He didn't alienate Nolan. He inherited a post Nolan Arenado roster. Right. All he can do. Sitting here right now, and this is another important thing, he doesn't set the budget. We can move the goalposts all day and say, Dick Monfort should just spend more money. And we can all do that with our bosses, couldn't we? Like, everyone would love more resources put into their department, right? Uh, Just raise my budget and I can do a lot more. So, we can judge the owner all day, every day for not spending money properly, and that's fine. But let's analyze this theoretical decision based on what the general manager has in front of him, which is a budget he can't go over a certain amount. And he's got to try to build the best team that he can. So if Nolan Arenado costs $35 million and Trevor Story costs $27 million a year, Chris Bryant, well, in my mind, he's not as good a baseball player as Nolan Arenado. And, you know, it's funny because it depends on which advanced metrics you take a look at. And particularly OPS Plus sees Bryant as a much better hitter than either of them. And I don't have time to get all the way into this right now. Those of you who've been listening to me for a while know that the advanced metrics kind of undersell uh, players who play half their games at Coors Field. It, never gives, it doesn't give any credit for things like being super clutch. And that's something I've looked at a lot throughout their careers just because they've kind of come up around the same time and been near the top of the league at the same time. Nolan Arenado, super duper clutch. Chris Bryant has never shown... Uh, any kind of special ability like most players Chris Bryant just is his normal hitting self in clutch situations right it doesn't go up doesn't necessarily go down it did one year but more than that whatever okay right so by OPS plus Chris Bryant is a much better hitter because he's got a career OPS plus of 132 to Nolan Arenado's 121 and Trevor Story's 112 so If you get a guy who has the potential to be a better hitter, now the reason his wins above replacement and and some of these other things aren't going to be as good as those guys is he's not the defender that either of them is, right? He's just not. He's an okay defender, and I'll talk about where he would play here in just a second. But according to these statistics, which I don't buy 100% of the way, Chris Bryant is the better hitter, and the Rockies absolutely need offensive help. If Bryant cost less than those other two players, and I think that he will, I think you're looking at something between twenty and twenty-five million a year for a player like Chris Bryant, as opposed to the twenty-seven to thirty-five that you're giving Nolan Arenado, then these comparisons all of a sudden, this this whole problem of like, why get that guy when you should have just held on to those guys really doesn't make sense. You're talking about sixty plus million for two players versus 20 plus million for one player, and then using the rest of that money on players like Alex Colome, Jose Iglesias, Chad Cool, who they picked up after the last time I signed. N- none of those would get you super excited, but there are a lot more players that you have that you didn't before. And then there's even been some rumors that the Rockies might go out and get another impact outfielder, which I think would be the 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 big coup if they actually manage to do that right but let's let's stay away from that for just a second and stick on just the Chris Bryant situation so regardless of whether or not you bought any of that ultimately if you still think it's dumb for the Rockies to have let go two-star players only to think about signing and bringing one back in and there almost certainly is a PR element to this as well Dick Monfort really loves having his star players that can sell some jerseys that can get people excited the kind of icon the face of the franchise the Rockies have always had one of those right and if they don't sign a player like Bryant and and really even these other guys like Nick Castellanos Kyle Schwarber Michael Conforto they're not that guy they're not that type of player right Chris Bryant was a rookie of the year he's got an MVP in his closet he's got a championship the guy the guy's a player right he's really 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 good and so I've seen some of that too people being like I don't know, how much does Chris Bryant move the needle? We can argue all day about whether or not adding Chris Bryant would take the Rockies from outside contention to near contention in a 12-team postseason, but there's absolutely no argument, none whatsoever, that putting him on the roster doesn't make this team a better team as currently constituted. We can't go back in time. We can't undo the decisions of the past, nor can the current GM, Bill Schmidt. All he can do is look at the roster in front of him, look at the available pieces out there, either in free agency or trade, and do the best he can to build. Now, some people would argue they should be going the other way, and they should be trying to tear down and build for two or three years from now. But quite frankly, I think we've hashed that out by now, haven't we? We know the Rockies don't do that. And we just went through all this CBA stuff where I had to explain for every day for a couple of weeks why it's really, really, really bad for baseball when teams do that. We should give the Rockies credit for trying to be better, for trying to spend money, for trying to go out there and get players despite the fact that they're catching crap for people because they didn't do this with Nolan Arenado or Trevor Story, forgetting that those were, again, unique situations and also not the same situation, not the same amount of money. I know that the small and mid-market talking points are BS when we're discussing owners. But when we're discussing GMs, they're not. The Rockies, G, Bill Schmidt does not have the same budget to work with that the GMs of the Yankees and the Cubs and the Dodgers do. He just doesn't. So if he can get more, look, look at what Atlanta just did. For This is another great example. Atlanta, same thing. They can afford to pay Freddie Freeman. Let's just be 100% clear about this. Freddie Freeman is the face of that franchise. He's been the icon. He has been their guy for eight, nine years. Something like that, right? He's been their Nolan Arenado, Absolutely. Freddie Freeman has been Atlanta's Nolan Arenado, And maybe even more so because they just won a world championship with him. They've experienced more success. There's an even deeper connection there. But still... Atlanta saw they could get a player who's similar to Freddie Freeman. Matt Olson's not as good as Freddie Freeman. He's not. But he's probably 70 to 80%, maybe 85% as good as Freddie Freeman. And he costs 60%. So they're going to make that move. Now, I, you know, ugh, it's part of the calculations of this game that drives some people nuts. And it drives me nuts, too, because we know that Atlanta's owners could just afford to pay Freddie Freeman what he's worth. But the GM's got a budget. Is that a smart thing to do? It was a similar calculation way back in the day when the St. Louis Cardinals didn't trade Albert Pujols. They just let him walk. And they were hounded at the time for it. And they could have afforded to pay him exactly the same amount of money that the Angels did. But they knew that that probably wasn't a good investment for them. And so... The question becomes, is it a smart investment for the Rockies to put all of their money into two-star players or is it better to get a guy who's not quite as good as those two players because he doesn't bring the defensive capability but is actually better than both of them at the plate and spend less money so that whatever money you've got left over, you can spend on other parts of the roster. For me, that's the smarter way to go. Like I've said over and over again, and we'll say one more time, because once I give that argument, people will tend to think, oh, so you think it's a good thing that they let Arenado and Story go? Not at all, you know, but it's it's simply intellectually dishonest to suggest that the Rockies didn't get anything out of the Arenado trade and that they aren't putting those resources to use. Right now, And the same thing with the Trevor Story situation, where they are going to get a compensatory draft pick that's going to be worth just about as much as any prospect that they were going to get. And neither of those things were going to be impacts on this upcoming season. Now, paying Trevor Story $27 million or whatever he's going to get from whoever he's going to go play for, that would be an impact on this upcoming season. So if you can pay another player a little bit less, but you think in the aggregate... You can get more out of your roster than you do it. Now, let's also remember how the Rockies played last season without a star position player. Because as much as Trevor Story, I think, is going to get back to form and is going to be that guy who's a 4-plus win player in the future and he'll probably appear in another All-Star game somewhere down the line in, in someone else's uniform, I've got very few doubts about that, despite the fact that he had a bad year. But he had a bad year. He was basically a league average player. In 2021, and the Rockies still won tw- uh, 74 games, despite the fact that they had no star position players and one of the worst bullpens in the league. So, when you say you take that roster, and while Trevor's story being off of it hurts in the grand scheme, it doesn't change your projections for win totals for the following season. If you add Chris Bryant to your roster, You have dramatically improved the offense. You've made the defense a little worse, and and I'll get into that here in just a second. But you've also given yourself plenty of opportunities to spread out the resources. And while this is a little bit of an in-between, I've always been of the mind that the Rockies need to get away from the superstar model. Well, then why are you in favor of them signing Chris Bryant? Like, ultimately, like I've said before, again, I would probably, if you could get both Schwarber and Conforto or something like that, I'd do that. But if you can only get one player of these available outfielders, Bryant is the guy to get. He brings the most versatility. He's the most consistent, best hitter among the group. Even if, And I could see Schwarber having a better season next year. The guy was an absolute monster last year. But it's a better bet that Chris Bryant will be among the league's best hitters. He regularly is. And he's still only 30 years old. And so, yes, I do think that with an expanded postseason, with quality of the starting pitching, and with so many question marks in the bullpen, if you add Chris Bryant to the Rockies lineup... He does make it really interesting for the possibility for them to get into an expanded postseason. Does he make them contenders to win the division? Absolutely not. Does he make them contenders to win 90 or 95 plus games? No. No, right? That, that's still, they would need a lot of other things to happen for them to go on that kind of a run. It's not how it works in baseball. One player just doesn't change things that much for you. But he does give the Rockies, I think, a key piece that would allow a lot of other players to slide more naturally into a position that, that's going to help out everybody. Whether that means more days at DH for Charlie Blackman or, you know, one of the things I've, I've thought about. So, okay, let's, let's get into this part of it, the defensive positioning of it. For me, I would probably put Chris Bryant in left field. And I know a lot of people have said, don't make him an outfielder. He really doesn't have a ton of range as an outfielder. And I've seen him struggle at Coors Field before when he would come in as a visitor and, and play outfield a little bit. It's tough outfield to play. Really, really tough. There's a smart player, and there are certain things you can learn about the Coors Field outfield that make it easier, seems like the wrong word. More palatable? Um, but either way, I think you stick him out there and left and... You you don't worry about that too much. We can talk about, you know, who's best in center fielder. You get one of the rangier players in Hilliard or Hampson to help with some of it. But quite frankly, the Rockies have had some great teams in years past with left fielders who could not defend well. I'm talking Dante Bichette. I'm talking Matt Holliday, Or even... You know, at times they had two substandard as far as rangy outfielders go when they went to the World Series, and Matt Holliday and Brad Hopp. You know, it was good that they could stick either Willie Tavares or Ryan Spielborgs or Corey Sullivan, these guys who had really good range, really good defensive prowess in center. But, you know, and I've preached it for a long time in an ideal world. I, I think the Rockies having good defenders and really athletic outfielders would be a massive boon for them. I think it would be a way for them to... Make Coors Field into more of an advantage for them specifically. But quite frankly, those players really just aren't out there right now. You know, I would have loved a Starling Marte, but he plays for the Mets now. I, there there are a few other players, but none of these guys are that. You know, Schwarber, Conforto. Conforto's got decent defense, he's the best defender among them. But, you know, Castellanos, Bryant, none of these guys are great, great defenders. But they're hitters. Great hitters, some of them. And you put them in left, you know, I'll deal with the The handful of brutal plays that that come out of that, because I think it allows you to then create this fun and interesting competition amongst the rest of your outfielders and do find, you know. Uh, if Tapia can get it done in center, or if you really do want to trade him, or you can try him out in in right field, or you could move Bryant to right and try Topia and left. You've got Connor Joe out there. You've got Sam Hilliard. Uh, you know, Garrett Hampson could be your super utility guy. Charlie's still going to play some outfield. He's not only going to DH, but you know, you can you can even DH Bryant sometimes, right? I know there are a lot of people who've made the mistake. Of course, not too many Colorado people of thinking. You know, oh my God, I can't believe they're going to bring in Chris Bryant to play third base after getting rid of Nolan Arenado. These people don't watch Colorado Rockies baseball and didn't realize that Ryan McMahon was the best defender in all of baseball at third base and second base last year. And so I don't think there's much of a chance of Bryant going to third unless they do that thing we've been talking about where you move Ryan McMahon over to shortstop and then you could play Bryant at third, you absolutely could do that. Now, I wouldn't do that regularly. I really wouldn't. Again, I don't want to block guys like Eli Harris-Montero and Colton Welker. I think those are guys who need the opportunities at third, and and you've got the chance to get them in there at times. And so I would put Bryant in the outfield, but knowing that he can play third here and there, if McMahon needs a day or, or has an injury or whatever, you know these other guys aren't quite ready yet or, or they're not having great seasons or maybe somebody else gets hurt. If if a middle infielder does, then McMahon moves over to second base. Bryant comes in and plays third if one of these young guys isn't quite ready to go yet. He can play some first base if CJ Krohn needs a break or, again, is, is down with an injury or whatever. I do like the versatility that Bryant brings to the table uh, quite a bit because we all know that through the course of a baseball season a lot of things come up and just having somebody that you can put in to to be solid at a a spot and again he's not going to give you great defense but he can capably play third first left maybe right right at Coors Field is even tougher but he makes the team better. He absolutely would make the team better if they bring him in. And it's really interesting to see you know, what Bill Schmidt and his team, basically a, an entirely new front office, is trying to do. And I get that people feel like, hey, this is completely inconsistent with where they've been. But that's the other thing that I think has been really funny to me throughout this entire off season is people acting like it's same old Rocky, same old, same old, when so many things have changed and so many things are different. A new GM, a new team president, a new advisor, a new analytics staff, like all this stuff is different than where it was a year ago today. And people are still, you know, rolling their eyes at this Chris Bryant thing, thinking it's either not real, that they're just doing it for leverage, or they just want people to see that they were in on something, but they're not really going to sign him. And then people saying, well, even if they do sign him, it's stupid. And it doesn't make sense because they got rid of Nolan and Trevor and so. They should only be getting rid of players, I guess, is the argument there, or they should only be building for a couple of years from now, even though they came out in the middle of last season and said, we're not going to do that. Like, the people who are confused by this are confused because they're not paying any attention. I'm sorry, but the Rockies have made it clear what they're doing. You don't have to agree. In fact, there's a lot of valid room for strong disagreement about what they're doing. But the idea that it's somehow impenetrable, that the logic just isn't there... Uh, I, I think it's coming from people who are viewing this whole thing from the angle of essentially Rockies are institutionally ridiculous and it has nothing to do with the individuals, has nothing to do with Bill Schmidt or any of the people involved with actually making decisions, just that it's institutionally bankrupt. <laughs> and It's like, well, you know, I get where that comes from, but all you need to do is is learn a little bit about some of the specific details about what's going on. And when Bill Schmidt came out and said, here's why we think we can compete. Here's what we're going to do to try to build toward winning. Let's also make another thing clear that, well, I think it's a long shot for the Rockies to be contenders in 22. I think there's absolutely room for them to build and get back to being pretty good in 23. And if you're signing a guy like Chris Bryant, there's almost no way you're doing it on a one-year deal, right? So if, you're, if they're bringing this guy in, They're almost certainly bringing him in, not just to try to make him better for this year, but to be a part of their future and to maybe be a veteran presence around when you do start seeing guys like Zach Veen and Benny Montgomery and some of these other guys come up into the organization. And so, you know, I get the reluctance. I'm also of the mind that the current roster is better than people are giving it credit for especially the starting rotation and I think it's unlikely that the bullpen is quite the disaster that they were the year before so yeah you know you know what this reminds me a lot of actually if I can take you back in time a little bit to the cargo and tulo era when it was starting to become clear that that was all falling apart right do you know what the best offense in Rockies history was it was around 2013 2014 and think about the position player talent on this club around the infield you had Nolan Arenado, Troy Tulowitzki, DJ LeMahieu and Justin Morneau right in your outfield you had Carlos Gonzalez, Michael Kiedler, Dexter Fowler like these guys could play man but they couldn't pitch they could not pitch and so that team didn't come anywhere close to contending despite the fact That by all the offensive numbers, that was the best offensive team, top to bottom, in Rockies history. But it didn't matter because they couldn't pitch, right? Now, you go back these last couple of years, the Rockies have had the opposite problem. They've had great starting pitching, but they've had pretty terrible offense, And while I do think that the defense and the base running and all of those little things matter, if you're going to try to sneak up on teams, ultimately, you've just got to get better offense. They do. It's been the biggest problem for this team that they can do anything about over the last two years. And Chris Bryant makes you a significantly better offensive team. Any one of these players would. And two of them would definitely get me to start saying, hey, I think this team can make the postseason now. I think this team can get into it. One of them has me still thinking they're on the brink. You know, I'm I'm not going to, if they land Chris Bryant, I'm not going, hey, they're contenders now, but they are a lot better. And it makes sense from a lot of different directions to make a move like this, to think that it could get you closer, especially coming in tandem with some of these other things that people are kind of overlooking because none of them in and of themselves turn the ship around. You know, Jose Iglesias and Alex Colome, I think being really good examples of the kinds of extra side moves you can do when you don't have all of your resources wrapped up in two players, you can have a bigger chunk with this one guy, but if it still allows you to spend other money in other spots, it makes a ton of sense. And so I know it's going to be tempting for people to say, okay, they lost Arnauto Story and Gray and they gained Bryant. Well, that's not enough, right? But that's also not accurate. They lost Arnauto, Story, and Gray, and they gained Bryant. Uh, Again, we're we're saying in theory, right? Iglesias, Colome, Gomber, Montero, and hopefully still more money to spend on a few more relievers, a few more players that can come in and round this thing out a little bit. Like, no, there's, there's, there was no path for them to be the class of the national league West. There was no chance for, again, unless they signed every single free agent that they were going to all of a sudden be considered potentially contenders for the best team in the league. But you've got to start with where you are, you know, that old saying, like begin the journey. Every journey begins with a single step and all that crap, right? You can't, you, you have to begin where you are. And with Bill Schmidt, that means Proving to people that, A, you want to win, B, you can and will attract quality top-end talent, and C, that that's not all, that, that you plan to do all of this other stuff around it, that it's not, hey, one or two players are going to come and save us, but we're going to try to implement this philosophy across our team and see if we can raise the floor of... Losing games that are very winnable because we just didn't have a capable major league player at shortstop. Okay, well now you've taken care of that because you got Jose Iglesias. Stuff like that matters. You know, I was was talking to a good friend yesterday, and we we were talking about the Bengals and the Super Bowl, and about how eventually a lot of it came down to like their star players were just as good as the other team's star players, but it comes down to the the guys they had that you know maybe weren't just weren't quite ready for that. And sometimes in professional sports, it's not about the superstars or even the above average role players. It's just about having that guy that doesn't cost you, right? Having no position of weakness. The old saying is a chain is only as strong as its weakest link, right? Especially in a a bullpen, (laughs) that can be true. But in baseball, a lot of times it's not about your top end star power. It's about whether or not the guys at the bottom of the roster don't lose you games. So being able to bring in a guy like Bryant, while you can still address the bottom of your roster with players like Iglesias, is a better situation than where a lot of Rockies teams of the past have been in. I just don't know that they're going to be able to fully complete that until I see what they do. So that's my thoughts for now. You know, Like I said earlier, a lot of it will depend on what the Bryant contract situation is. Because if they end up paying Chris Bryant essentially the same amount of money that, say, somebody else ends up giving Trevor story, then you really can go like, well, what the hell? Why not just keep Trevor at that point, right? Now, you could argue, well, because Bryant is the better hitter and the defense doesn't matter as much to you. You need the offense. I could go back and forth on that. There's a long philosophical conversation to be had there. But if Bryant costs less than those other two players... The logic here, I think, is pretty obvious and, and makes a ton of sense for them to do what they're doing. As much as people love falling in love with those players and, and you know, yet, like I said, think Atlanta right now. A lot of Atlanta fans really upset that Freddie Freeman's gone, despite the fact that they probably did make the smarter move in getting a player who's almost as good but costs quite a bit less. And that's, to me, Chris Bryant and Nolan Arenado. Chris Bryant isn't as good as Nolan Arenado. But he's almost as good as Nolan Arenado, and he costs quite a bit less. So the question is just, what do the Rockies do with that, with that cost, right? Basically, let, let, let me boil the math down to this. Let's say Chris Bryant costs $25 million a year, which I think is a little more than he's going to get, but let, we'll find out. Let's say he costs $25 million a year, right? Nolan Arenado costs $35 million a year. So the question is, what do the Rockies do with that extra $10 million per year? be very curious to see so yeah thanks everyone for hanging out this episode let me know your thoughts on the chris bryant rumors do you want him do you not want him do you want him and somebody else Uh, do you think that he makes the rockies contenders for a postseason spot or do you still see them being a below 500 club with the acquisition of chris bryant let me know on twitter You can hit me up at Drew Creaseman at any time. You can also follow at Mile High Sports. Make sure you're getting all the reading uh, reading materials. What am I assigning homework and stuff? All the written content is there on MileHighSports.com for all your different sports needs. Of course, all the podcasts on the Podcast Network. Make sure you've got it downloaded regularly on your normal podcast app. And that you just keep being absolutely awesome. I can say it. It's fine. You keep being absolutely awesome out there. I'll keep being absolutely Drew Kreisman in here. And until next time, I will see you. Ballpark.